Another viewer with several questions and concerns we want to answer this time on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Although the email that we are going to uh, answer today was written some time ago, and we have answered some of his concerns in previous programs, we're going to addre address more of them and explain more this of them time, now. Yeah. If this one person had these questions, it's more than likely that others who watch our program will have similar questions. Sure. So hopefully our answers will help many people. But first we're going to read a segment of the letter and then answer that segment and then answer the next one and so on as we get through his email. So the first question. I'm a little confused. You contradicted yourself several times. I am confused. I do not agree with polygamy, but you even stated yourself that Abraham and many prophets in the Bible were polygamist, and you say the Bible speaks the truth. That sounds confusing to me. Well, the truth is they did live polygamy. So, yeah. so, so yes, it does state the truth, but it doesn't cover up the truth. Uh, and this is probably one of the top three questions that, that we receive get. from yeah. people who, who follow the Mormon polygamy idea. The Bible reports the truth of events that took place, and, and it records the fact that many Old Testament men took multiple wives. Abraham did take a second wife, or, or, or a, a concubine, as it's called, but God didn't tell him to do it. And if you read carefully through it, you'll see that Hagar's role was not to be a plural wife, but to give Abraham a child because Sarah was barren. So it's not the same thing as today's Mormon polygamy. And it was her idea. Huh? And it was Sarah's idea, not yeah. Abraham's, right. Abraham fathered one child with Hagar, and if she had been a wife in the sense that today's Mormon polygamists take plural wives, she would have had a very large family. The Bible tells the truth about polygamy being practiced in ancient cultures and the truth about biblical characters who had more than one wife. But the fact that the Bible doesn't cover it up or lie about it doesn't make polygamy the right thing to do. <laughs> the Bible also tells us that God instituted monogamy, not polygamy. The first marriage, God gave away the bride, and at that time he decreed the two shall become one. There cannot be more than two people in a marriage and still be considered a God-ordained marriage. The Bible records the many sins humans have contrived, but the recorded history itself isn't the command to do something. Right. The Bible recorded that Cain killed his brother, Abel. We can't assume that murder is okay simply because the Bible records a murder. And we also need to remind our polygamous viewers, as well as the LDS, who continue to make excuses for Joseph Smith's polygamy, that very few Old Testament prophets were polygamists. Most of the polygamists were not prophets, but kings or military political leaders, which, by the way, was disobedience to a command God gave kings not to multiply wives to themselves. Another point most people in Mormonism fail to realize is that Hagar was a concubine, a secondary wife, which is a very painful place to be, as many plural or secondary <laughs> wives today uh, will testify. And finally, it was legal in those days for men to have secondary wives, but it was not legal today, and it was not legal in Joseph Smith's day. And besides that, not point. everything that's legal uh, or appears to be se uh, successful is approved by God. God never accepted Hagar as Abraham's wife. The angel of the Lord in chapter 16, 8 called her Sarah's maid. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? 
She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Not return to Abraham. That's very, very important. She is referred to by God as Sarah's maid, not Abraham's wife. And later in chapter 21, verse 10, she's called the bondwoman and her son, not Abraham's wife and his son. Good points. Therefore, she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. Okay, so why? Um, if she was a wife, he would never have told her to cast, cast her yeah, out with the true. son because the Bible did not, does not, God doesn't recognize or approve uh, her as Abraham's wife. Hmm. In Galatians, in the New Testament, which is a great commentary on Old Testament, we're told that the secondary wife of Abraham symbolizes bondage, not freedom. With that in mind, take heed to this next verse. In chapter 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And polygamy is a yoke of bondage. Just ask any plural wife. And Jesus wants us free from all bondage. Why do polygamists cling to biblical examples of polygamy, but neglect the Bible's teaching against polygamy? And God forgives them, or repentant sinners. And that's, of course, the message of the Bible and the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, we've covered this very important part of polygamy in the Bible several times in the past, but our new viewers obviously are curious about and misunderstand what polygamy is doing there. Hopefully, this explains enough to remove the confusion and with some of our viewers and maybe even launch your own individual and personal deep Bible study into this topic. The, the, our viewers' next concern is this. Second, you keep speaking of testing the truth. How do you test the truth if prayer is not involved? You have said prayer is not how we test the truth. That sounds confusing to me. Isn't seeking the truth by asking God of the truth? Well, (laughs) the Bible never tells us to pray to know the truth of something. However, it does say to read the Bible to know the truth of something. Yes, it does. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we want truth... We go to Jesus because he is the truth. Jesus Christ is God, so we can depend upon him to reveal truth to us. And he has done that within the pages of biblical scripture. Note these promises from God. Yes, Psalms 19, 160, the entirety of your word is truth. Which Now that verse itself yeah. tells us we can trust the Bible, word. right? Yeah. All of your word is truth. That's a good point. Psalms uh, 117.2, For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Psalms 105, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. And John 17.17 says, Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. Now, if God's a liar, we can't trust those verses. But if God tells the truth and can't lie, like most religions who believe in God would agree with, then his word is forever. His word is truth. It lasts forever. um, And and we are sanctified by knowing his truth. So we go to his word. Good promises. Good promises. Exactly. 
Anyone who wants to find the truth will find it in the biblical scriptures. Prayer will not always reveal something that God has already revealed to us in his word. And God will never confirm, some, confirm something, by the way, that contradicts his word. And this isn't confusing at all. It isn't. Now, don't misunderstand. We're not saying we can't and shouldn't pray and ask God for help and understanding and proper application of his truth. But to find truth, all you have to do is find it in the Bible. Find your Bible and read it. We read that God has promised his word endures forever throughout all generations. It was never lost. No apostasy ever happened. It was never destroyed in order to need restoration. It always has been available to mankind and will endure forever just as God has promised. Now, the man's first third concern is actually a continuation of the idea of the reliability and endurance of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Third, you say the Bible is the only truth, but there are many versions of the Bible. How do you know which Bible is true? Even the King James Version has purposely left out works to benefit the religions of its time. Okay. Purposely left out words. Yeah, that word purposely is a bothersome <laughs> word. There is actually not a shred of evidence to justify the association of purposeful admission of words and passages in the King James Bible. No evidence anywhere that it was purposely tampered with to benefit the religions of its time. In fact, there are thousands and thousands of old manuscripts, both of the Old Testament and the New Testament, that when compared to today's translations, will confirm its integrity and accuracy. Yeah. Plus, we have the witness, the most recent witness of the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's right. We challenge everyone who repeats this accusation over and over again, give us evidence to support that manuscripts were permanently altered. Give us historical proof of these claims. Don't believe something just because someone told it to you. Now, beware, there are some so-called translations of the Bible that are not true translations. The New World Translation is one example, and so is Joseph Smith's so-called translation. translation. But the King James Bible, the New American Standard Bible, the, the New International Virgin, the Version, the English Standard Version, the Legacy Bible, many others are very good, dependable, accurate translations of the Bible. They're all taken from the same old manuscripts. Yeah. The bottom line is that the text of each version will say the same thing in different words, and we have some examples for you to compare with. Yeah, actually, great scripture here, Matthew twenty four thirty five. In the King James, it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The New King James says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The New American Standard, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And the NIV, the New International, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The ESV, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And the New Century Version, earth and sky will be destroyed, but the words I have said will never be destroyed. So they each say, the, say same the same thing, thing, but using different words. It's yeah. like me telling a story and you telling the same story, and I'm obviously going to have a different vocabulary right. than you do. Exactly so these right. these versions just just are in tune to different age groups, different different uh, intellectual levels, kids, some are kids, sure. new century version is for younger kids and so on. So um, they all say the same thing, but the bottom line is this, God's not a liar no. and, and he, he's trustworthy. So does he have the power to keep his promises? Isaiah 48, 
says this, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Okay, and that says the same thing as, as Jesus said, that, you yes. know, this, the things of this world will pass away. Heaven but not his will, word. But not his word. Not his word. Joseph Smith lied. <laughs> God didn't. And and he promised that it would be forever. He told the truth. And since he told the truth, we can only say Mormonism is not true. More questions from our viewer. Fourth, you say that all true Christian churches have the same basic beliefs. However, many Christian churches even have different beliefs. So to say that all Christian churches are true because they have a basic belief is confusing. All believe in baptism, and yet you said that we don't need baptism to be saved. Most Christian churches believe that baptism is a way of salvation. Well, first of all, <laughs> not everyone who claims to be Christian are genuine Christians. That's number one. True Christian churches share beliefs, the same beliefs, in how a sinner can be forgiven and accepted by God. They agree on who God is, who Jesus Christ is, how God saves sinners. They agree on the cross yeah. as where Jesus' death and resurrection uh, and our salvation and payment of sins took place on the cross and his res resurrection just exactly as the Bible teaches us. And these are the essentials, things that we must believe in order to be accepted by God. But there are many people who dis disagree on non-essentials, things that have nothing to do with salvation, uh, certain ideas that don't affect true salvation. These might include sideline doctrines uh, that have nothing to do with the saving work of Jesus on the cross. Churches that claim to be Christian but teach works, including baptism, uh, that must be done by humans to help attain salvation is not following Christian teaching. And believe me, there are many people who call themselves Christian, but by belief and doctrine are not. Polygamy is not Christian. No. A lost gospel needing to be restored is not Christian. Modern day mediation by living prophets is not a Christian belief. Temples and temple works, ceremonies and rituals, restriction of certain foods and drinks are not genuine Christianity. Water baptism has absolutely nothing to do with achieving salvation. But water baptism does have to do with obedience to God. Most Christian churches perform baptism, but contrary to your comment, most Christian churches do not believe that baptism is required for salvation. If baptism added to salvation, why didn't Jesus baptize people? He's the Savior. If it saved, he would have done that. That's right. And why didn't the Apostle Paul have a ministry of baptism? He said he didn't, and he didn't. What about the thief on the cross to whom Jesus promised salvation? He wasn't baptized in water, but that very day he was with Jesus in heaven. Baptism is important, but it's not required for eternal life with God. The next concern of our viewer. Now, I know baptism is very important in Mormonism. Yeah. Oh, Extremely yeah. important. Well, it's a very... Yeah, it's, it's everything. It's membership in the church, and it's, uh, yeah. It's and that's why they baptism for the dead, because it's so important. Right. That it would save yeah. dead people. Yeah, there's, nothing happens until baptism happens. Then you're not a member of the church until you're baptized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Right. Okay. Fifth, you keep attacking the LDS church. However, there are many active polygamy groups that you choose not to attack. If you want to be angry, be angry at current practices. Well, 
I don't know about the word attack, but we do do a lot of criticism. Our purpose is <clears throat> to reveal false doctrines to all of Mormonism and apply biblical truths to them. And that, of course, includes all polygamy groups, that, uh, and they exist because, because of, of the LDS Church. Sure. Now, pointing out error is not anger. And the Bible tells us to contend, to, to contend for the one and only true faith. We present the truths of historical actions and beliefs and heresies of the early polygamous Mormon church, which is exactly where the modern-day polygamy groups get their doctrine. There are mere extensions of polygamy groups or mere extensions yeah. of, of Mormonism, plain sure. and simple. So exp exposing historical data and quotes and events is not exhibiting anger. Uh, getting excited about the truth is not, <laughs> is not anger either. We challenge polygamists and Mormons to read the Bible without the Mormon filter. There is no salvation in the Mormon or polygamous gospel. Paul the Apostle says any other gospel is no gospel at all. And finally, you say we attack the LDS Church, but not polygamy groups. We suspect that the polygamists would disagree yeah, with probably. that statement. Yeah. Okay, the his, next one. His next one. Six, you attack the LDS Church saying they believe in a different Jesus. How is this so? I have yet to hear the LDS Church come forth and paint a different picture of him. I looked into the LDS Church, and the Jesus they worship is the same Jesus that other Christian churches worship. So I am not sure what you're talking about. Well, oh, boy. The, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a deep one. It could, we could take two or three shows on that one. But the, the president, of course, of the Mormon Church many years ago disagreed yes. with what he said. They do, they have stepped forward and painted a different person and admitted that they do worship a different Jesus. Gordon Hinckley was supposed to be a prophet. Yep. And this is what he said. And this is in the Church News in 1998. In an interview with the LDS Church Times, current president and prophet of the church, Gordon B. Hinckley stated that the LDS do not believe in the traditional Christ. And I would assume that means the biblical Christ, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I don't. The traditional Christ of whom they speak is not the Christ of whom I speak. For the Christ of whom I speak has been revealed in this dispensation of the fullness of times. So there's an admission by the LDS church president, prophet, the yeah. big guy, <laughs> if you if you will, the Christ of whom the Mormons teach, uh, he said was recently revealed. Yeah. And yet the, the true God of our salvation, who is Jesus, was revealed many thousands of years ago. Um, and he didn't need to be, re Jesus doesn't, didn't need to be redefined or restored or recharacterized or given a new lineage, which is what Mormonism has done with the biblical Jesus. And there are extreme differences in the LDS and the biblical Jesus. And Jesus warned that if we do not believe the truth of who he is, we are eternally lost. John 8, 23 and 24 says, and he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now verse 23 explains that we did not pre-exist. <laughs> That's a good proof verse that we didn't pre-exist yeah. before this world, which is what Mormons believe and yes, teach. Yes, they do, yeah, pre-existence. Only Jesus pre-existed. We're of this world. Yeah. We're from this world, but he's not. And verse 24 explains 
that we're doomed to die unforgiven if we do not believe that Jesus is who he's claimed to be. And he claimed to be God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. God himself came to earth in human weakness to die for the sins of sinners. Yeah, we read this in John 10, 31 through 33. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. They understood when he was claiming to be the Son of God that he was saying he was God the Son. They yes, knew it, yes. and they tried to kill him because of it. Yeah. The religious community in Jesus' day, of course, the religious Jews and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all of them knew it, and that was their excuse to crucify him, mm-hmm. one of their excuses. Yeah. Mormonism doesn't follow what Jesus taught, yet they claim to be his followers. It doesn't make much sense. Polygamists paint Jesus as having been a polygamist himself, and that's certainly a different Jesus. Some polygamy groups claim to exclusively have the genealogical blood of Jesus flowing through their veins, and that's a different Jesus too. Mm. Our viewer continues with his questions. I don't believe to be anything other than a follower of Jesus. It makes me sad to see Christians attacking other Christians over beliefs when in all reality, the truth is in Jesus. And that's true. That is a good statement because the truth (laughs) is in Jesus alone. The biblical Jesus, not the Mormon Jesus. We do not attack other Christians. We do expose false doctrine of Mormonism, which includes Mormon polygamists who say they are Christian, but don't believe in the very doctrine that Jesus taught, the very doctrine that makes us Christian. Mormons believe in a different salvation, a different Jesus, a different God, a different method of atonement, a different heaven, even a different Satan. So they can't be biblical Christians. A different salvation, their salvation is by works, polygamy, temple activity, tithe, church service. The biblical salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus alone. A different Jesus. Mormonism's Jesus is Lucifer's brother, our elder brother, the offspring of sexual activity between God the Father and his human daughter, Mary. The biblical Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh, God on the cross. They have a different God. The Mormon God is an exalted man with flesh and bones. The Christian biblical God is spirit and has never not existed. He created everything all by himself out of nothing, and he became flesh to die for sinners. They have a different atonement. Their atonement was achieved through tears and and prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible propitiation was on the cross, and it was only on the cross that our sins were paid for and washed away. We expose false, unbiblical doctrines, and Mormonism has plenty of them. But God has told us to defend and contend for the faith. He said we should study to show ourselves approved, that we always be ready to give an answer, and that's what we try to do. Yeah. But most folks really don't want to know what they believe isn't true, that it can possibly be false. <laughs> Jesus said this. Yeah, John five thirty-seven through 40. And the Father who sent me has, his, has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. 
These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And I like that word testify because yeah. with the Mormonism, both polygamy and the LDS Church, they had their testimony meetings. And my testimony is Testifies this. A good testimony, yeah. and yet God has testified. He says so. This is His testimony concerning Himself and concerning His Jesus. And yet Jesus said, "You won't hear it. You don't hear it. You refuse to yeah. hear it." The, it's a choice. And the scriptures testify about me. Right. Not about yeah. Joseph Smith, not yeah. about Mormonism, yeah. but about Jesus. Yeah. Those who think they have the truth, but instead are following Satan's beautiful looking deceptions are in for an eternal tragedy on that day. Mormons can call themselves Christians, but what they prove, what they believe prove that they are not. And it's the Bible that determines what an authentic Christian is. Not you and not me and not the Mormon religion. And there are thousands of people who have told their, their stories of leaving the Mormon gospel and discovering the true biblical Jesus. And you've had many, many interviews yourself yes, from have. people <laughs> that sure. have found the difference between the Mormon Jesus and the biblical Jesus. Yeah. And, and we just pray that more and more out of Mormonism will find the yeah. same thing. It's so joyful, too. It is. To, to have that freedom to both study and think and learn and, and to realize who Jesus is and, and who he really he is. Yeah. yeah. And, and to, the, when I discovered, when I finally learned what the truth was, uh, it, it just excited me so much yeah. that to finally know the truth. Yeah. And there, the, knowing that you can trust the Bible. Is that the, was big. It was big, very yeah. big. Yeah. It yeah. is. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Doris. You know, several places in the Bible, it tells us that God created all things, even the highest heavens, that he himself is the most high God and that the heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain him. Well, how could all this be true if God was a mere man? And if even the highest heavens cannot contain our most high God, how can there possibly be other gods in the heavens? There's only room for one. Mormonism's idea of God is not the truth. Many, many times the Bible tells us there's only one God anywhere, everywhere, all the time. And Jesus himself said there's only one God. So if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, then you need to scrap all the false ideas about God uh, that Mormonism teaches and believe what Jesus himself said about him. After all, being a true follower uh, can only mean you believe what he taught. And he also taught that monogamy was God's plan for marriage and that there are no marriages after this life. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.